KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. Today is Wednesday and we have the third uh, installment in the Shi'ur on philosophical implications of the story of the Akedah. This is Ezra Beck. The first two weeks we talked about two different points. It's important to realize that there were two different points. The first point was that there is something called the good. That we do not define logically our understanding of what it means to be the good is not the equivalent of that which God has commanded. Avraham Avinu believes in the good, and therefore he is able to demand of God in the story of Sodom, in Pashat and the beginning of Pashat Vayera, he is able to demand of God that he obey the good. Hashofet kol haaretz lo mishpat. The point I made last week in the second shiur was that not only is there good, but that man, Avraham Avinu, and you and me have the ability to understand and know the good. Theoretically, it is possible to argue that of course there's something called the good, but who are we to understand it? And in fact, this, this argument is, 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 is made more plausible by my first point. If the good is something that is transcendent, if it's something which is absolute, if it's something which has real meaning and is not merely relative or, or humanly created, then the assertion that man can know the good is equivalent to the assertion that man can know the absolute. And if the good is identical with God, as I argued in the first year, then the assertion that man can know the good is an assertion that man can know God, something which to the ears which have been trained by the theology of the Middle Ages, will appear to be a, a audacious comment. It's an axiom in the Middle Ages that man cannot know God in a deep and, and essential sense. But nonetheless, I try to show how the belief in the Torah of what is expected of man is that not only that he must do that which the good uh, commands, but that in fact he's able to know the good. You shall do that which is good and proper assumes that there is such a thing and two, that you can know what it is. I argued that there is identity between the good and the divine. God is the good and therefore God's commands and the commands of the good, the commands of morality are identical. Even though in our understanding of them they do not appear to be so. Now the most, the most uh, 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 crucial point where this understanding becomes important is of course a case like that of Abraham where the two appear to be in contradiction. Then you have to decide what to do. But in fact, this is an important point at every stage of our lives. There's a mitzvah in the Torah of Yichud Hashem. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. We are commanded to unify God. And I think that means, among other things, not merely that which we were taught in third grade, that if someone says there are many gods, say there is only one. But you're taught to unify your conception of God. And this is something which you have to work on all the time. That the God of power and the God of revelation is one with the God of the good. It won't be enough to say, I don't believe in any other personality 
other than the God of the Torah, another person. Therefore, I have two gods in the sense that the Greeks had many gods. But if one has, and one has to have, a absolute commitment to morality, to ethics, to the good, then that is a, a service. To have an absolute commitment is a religious commitment. The commitment that you can have in that sense can only be to God. But since you cannot claim, okay, therefore I will not have an absolute commitment to the good, you have to unify those two absolute commitments. I would like to illustrate how this takes place in the life of Abraham when he's facing, when he's facing the Akedah. Well, Kierkegaard, correct, that Abraham Avinu, when he agrees to go to the Akedah, has suspended the ethical, then, at least on those days when he's traveling to the Akedah, he should not be troubled by the ethical. I understand psychologically that might be difficult, but surely we wouldn't be proud, we wouldn't exult in Abraham Avinu's difficulties, because he's suspended. The, 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 the totally correct thing to do is to forget about the ethical. But if, as I said, what Avraham Avinu is doing is acting out of total devotion to God, who is the ethical, then Avraham Avinu has a real problem when he goes to do the Akedah. Because he doesn't have the option of saying, okay, for three days I won't be ethical. Because there's something more important to do. He has to be ethical because were he not ethical, he would not be serving God. And this point, again, is true in our lives on every single day. If you worship God but you're not committed to the ethical, then you're not only sinning against the ethical. You're not actually worshiping God because your understanding of God is not the God of Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. He is one. And here we're dealing with something which isn't only true for Abraham Avinu, it's true for us in, in all the times. There are people, I think we all have some problem with this, there are people who, 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 who do what God says, but are not committed to the ethical. And I say they are not worshipping God, even in other areas. If you put on tefillin because God commanded it, and you may be unaware, or you don't believe, that God has commanded you, not to steal. And you ignore that which you know to be true, that morality insists you not steal, then you're not putting on tefillin because God commanded you either, because the God who commanded you to put on tefillin is not the God who is the good. You're not committed to the good, you're not committed to God either. Hence, Adam Avinu, when he walks for three days to Haramaria, is 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 obligated, is is, is 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 totally motivated to attempt not just to agree to do it, but to agree to do it as an ethical being. As I pointed out last week, the whole essence of Avinu's life, the reason why he's our father, the reason why he was chosen by God to be our father, was because of his ethical commitment. The Midrash in the beginning of Lechacha says that Avinu was chosen because of the way he argued for stone. That's what made him special. And as I pointed out last week, his total uh, 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 reliance on his understanding of the good. He's willing to sacrifice his life when he pursues the four kings to save Lot. His commitment to his own understanding is essential in what makes Avraham Avinu Avraham Avinu. 
And now, as he walks for three days, he's not suspending that which has made him till uh, special till today, but he's attempting to extend it. He has to, in his own mind, he has to slaughter his son Yitzchak, not despite being ethical, but because he's ethical. Since God, who is the ethics, has commanded him to do so, it must be ethical to do so. True. But it also is behoven on you to, to agree to that, to understand that it is ethical. When he finally sends his hand to slaughter Yitzchak, he has to do it as an Oved Hashem Echad. As a servant of God who is one. And therefore he has to, he has to unify in his own mind both the revelatory command to sacrifice his son and the ethical command to sacrifice his son. Now we know he won't be able to do that unless he, unless he fools himself. Because there is no ethical command to slaughter his son. But Abraham Avinu has to believe that there is one. Since God himself has told him so. If God spoke, then it must be ethical. But he doesn't have the option of saying, it's ethical because God spoke. He says, it must be ethical because God spoke. But it's ethical because it's ethical. And therefore he has to understand, he has to come through this revelation that he's been mistaken till now in his belief that murder is evil. He has to try to understand how to do it right. And I think this is the meaning of the three days that Avraham Avinu spends. It's, you might say, part of the torture of the Akedah. That Avraham Avinu has three days, not merely psychologically to, to think about the implications of what he's doing, but three days to attempt to achieve what is, what is truly impossible. To face, I think, the temptation to give up on the ethical, to do God's will, which is what child sacrifices in history do do. They say we worship God and ethics is not important. For Avraminu, that would be a failure of the test of the Akedah. Avraminu attempts for three days to to unify his ethical personality with his personality as being obedient and subservient to God's voice. And so you have the Midrash that explains how the Satan, Satan speaks to Avraminu in these three days and tries to convince him, among other things, by telling him that it's evil. That it is evil, what he's doing. And I think it's clear that when Chazal speak of Satan speaking to Avraminu during these three days, they're, they're speaking about Avraminu himself. Abraham Avinu's voice within but Abraham Avinu is tormented by his conflicting obligations and his necessity not to conquer one by the other not to annul one before the other but to unify the two of them together I think you have an amazing medrash which expresses this idea I'll give you a little bit of a test which unfortunately I won't be able to hear the answers. If we were writing a medrash, which would attempt to express Avraham Avinu's internal conflict, and to express it in emotions, on the one hand, he's very sad that he is slaughtering his son. On the other hand, he's very happy that he is serving God. 
In order to express this, we're going to speak about two different parts of the body. We're going to speak about the heart and the face. In other words, internal and external. Okay, now I ask you, where is the happiness and where is the sadness? Is Avraham Avinu smiling in his heart or smiling in his face? Crying in his heart or crying in his face? Five seconds, say the answer. Say it out loud so while I there I could hear it. Okay, now I'm not taking a poll. I know what I would have answered. If I were writing a medrash, if I were writing some sort of a, 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 a presentation to try to express this couple of ideas, I would say Avinu was happy in his face because you can force yourself to do something. You can force yourself to smile. But of course in his heart he was crying. Because he's still a father. And so, deep down, he, 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 he must be sad for what's happening to his son. But this is the way Chazal put it. Miyad vayishlach Avraham et yado. Avraham sent forth his hand. He's holding the knife, the slaughtering knife. The Midrash says, Hu sholeach yad litolet asakin. He sends forth his hand to take the knife. His eyes are shedding tears which fall from his eyes into the eyes of Yitzchak because of the pity of a father. Nonetheless, his heart is happy to do the will of his Creator. Chazal say, Avraham's face, Avraham's eyes are sad, and his heart is happy. And why is that? And I think, uh, to me, the reason is clear. Chazal are not saying that despite Avraham Avinu's despite, despite Avraham Avinu's commitment to do that which God tells him, he's unable to totally control his heart. They're coming to praise Avraham Avinu. And if the point of the Akedah is that you should do what God says no matter what, then Avraham Avinu, who is on a higher level than the average human being, should be able to control his heart as well. They're saying the exact opposite. Avraham Avinu, intellectually, knows that God is right. There's no other possibility. And he accepts that. And therefore, if push comes to shove, there's a machoket, there's a controversy between Avraham who thinks that it's wrong to kill and God who thinks that it's right to kill, God must be right. And therefore, he will do it. And if he will do it, then his heart will be happy that he's doing God's will because he realizes that's the right thing to do. But Abraham Avinu wants to do it as a moral being. He has to do it as a moral being. That's his greatness. His greatness isn't that he has weaknesses of emotion. His greatness is that everything he does, he does because he knows that it's right. And that merely because somebody, including God, has told him to do it. And since this isn't right, the tears from Avraham Avinu's eyes reflect his, his actual being. They're involuntary. The voluntary part of him says, I do what God says. 
But he remains he. He hasn't stopped being an ethical being. Chas v'shalom. He hasn't given up in that part of, it's part of his personality. He remains. He forces himself to remain Avam Avinu to the last second. Avam Avinu at Tzadik. Avam Avinu who is the Oiv Hashem. Avam Avinu who loves truth. Who loves Tzadik Mishpat. And teaches it to his children. And that Avam Avinu can't possibly be happy when he slaughters. Because that Avam Avinu is dedicated to the good and the ethical. And therefore, he cannot control his eyes. The hand that holds the knife is connected to Avraham Avinu's head and it's connected to Avraham Avinu's commitment. The heart for Chazal is the head. It's what you think. The eyes reflect Avraham Avinu's inner, inner fabric. Avraham Avinu, the ethical person who accepts God's understanding of the ethical, and doesn't follow his own understanding of the ethical, is nonetheless an ethical person. He's trying to do God's will because God's will is the ethical and it's right to kill. And if you kill because you think it's right to kill, and you know it's not right to kill, then the tears pour involuntarily from your eyes, even as, of course, your heart is happy because you are doing what you intellectually know to be right but you can't really agree. You can't agree with understanding. You agree theoretically. You agree because you know it must be true, but you don't understand how it can be true. And therefore, your heart is happy, but at the very same moment, and Chazal prays Abba for this, your eyes have tears, because Abba is still the same ethical being he was when he said, Hashofet kol ha'aretz lo yaseh mishpat. And this is something in a much less dramatic manner I think we face all the time. There are many things we don't understand. You're at least obligated to constantly try to understand them. To give one of the most famous examples. The problem, the philosophic problem called the problem of the good. Excuse me. The philosophic problem called the problem of evil. The opposite, the problem of evil. A theological problem that has accompanied religion for two to three thousand years. Yumiyahu turns to God and says, Lama derech Why does the way of the evil doers prosper? Eov, the entire book of Job, is based on the question, why do the righteous suffer? Are you troubled by the question? Or are you that kind of religious personality that says, it's an interesting intellectual question, but if God decides to do it, then God decides to do it. The Ramam describes this rather blasé attitude towards the problem of evil to the Asharia, to Orthodox Islamic philosophy. God's will is God's will. It's a kind of religious attitude. If God says, let there be evil, then who am I to disagree? It's an intellectual, interestingly question why God says that, but not terribly existentially disturbing if you've totally, totally accepted God's will. But that's never been the Jewish response to the problem of evil. And the problem of evil isn't an intellectually interesting question for Jews. It's not a 
It's not a question about the, 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 the philosophical underpinnings of theology. If you can't solve the problem of evil, and, and in fact you won't be able to really solve it, if you can't solve the problem of evil, then you're unable totally to fulfill the mitzvah of Yichud Hashem. Or, to put it a little bit differently, perhaps somewhat more optimistically, if you don't try to solve the problem of evil, then you're not fulfilling the mitzvah of Yichud Hashem. If you're trying, if you're troubled, if you're trying to see God's way in the world as a way of justice, if you're trying to justify Tzidduk Hadin, not just saying Tzidduk Hadin, but you're trying to actually justify God's ways, you're looking to see how God is just, as difficult as that may be, that's Yichud Hashem. Then you're fulfilling now, in your efforts, the mitzvah of unifying our conception of God. But if you don't care to do so, if you're saying, God may in fact be doing evil, I can live with that, then I repeat, I think your God is not God. And it's a kind of religious attitude, but it's not the religious attitude of a monotheist. It's not the religious attitude of he who's been commanded, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Akeinu, Hashem Echad. Avam Avinu struggles unsuccessfully, of course unsuccessfully, there's no possibility of unifying God's command to take Yitzchak and God's command to be ethical. It can't be unified, but he will try to unify nonetheless and in doing so, in his efforts for those three days, he's on the highest possible level of Miyached Hashem. And I suggest now, in this year, I'll say other things in other shiurim, but I suggest now in this year, that that is the accomplishment of the Akedah. That you unify God despite everything. Unifying unsuccessfully is still unifying. Giving up on the need to unify God, as Kierkegaard suggested we should, is in fact abandoning the service of God. So now... Imagine Abba Mabinu walking for three days from Hebron to Yerushalayim, to Haramoria, trying to square the circle, trying to crack the impossible. This is what God has presented him with. The need to not merely be superhuman, but from our perspective, to do the impossible. To equate morality with infanticide. I don't believe that God commands us to do the impossible. And in fact, as we'll see, God himself says he doesn't command such a thing. Avam Avinu, after the Akedah, it's an important point, after the Akedah is over, before the Akedah, he does what God says. But after the Akedah, Avam Avinu says, I have a question. Just as in the story of Stone, before the destruction of Stone, Abraham Avinu attacked God. Here, after the Akedah, and I stress the difference, Abraham Avinu, he doesn't go on the attack, but he questions. Amar Rabbi Acha, Hitchil Avraham Tamea, Eina Dvarim Alalo Ela Dvarim Shotema. Abraham began to question. These things. What just happened to me is absurd. Yesterday you said to me, he's speaking to God, yesterday you said to me, for in Yitzchak, 
will your seed be named? In other words, Yitzchak is the future of the Jewish people. You then came to me and said, take your son and of course kill him. And now, third step, you say to me, do not send your hand against the child. Can this be? Avam says to God, you are contradictory. So the, the point is, Medrash doesn't talk about the ethical. He talks about the fact that God's promises are contradictory. But I think it's the same problem. Avam in the end says, this, none of this makes any sense. He's right, of course. It makes no sense. So the Medrash quotes God as saying the following to him. God said to Avraham, quoting a pasuk in Tirim, chapter 89, I do not desecrate my covenant. And that which I have uttered will not be changed. God's covenant, God's, God's gift to men, the ethical, the promises to Avinu, the future of Israel, eternity, will not be contradicted. What's the answer? It sounds childish. But God says, When I said to you, take your son, I did not say to you, slaughter him. I said to you, and bring him up. There's a technical term in Hebrew, meaning to bring a sacrifice, to bring a, a sacrifice on the altar. Because you raise the sacrifice to the altar. Ma'alimoto. God said, I never told you to slaughter him. I said, you raise him. I said it as uh, out of love. Bring him up. Raise him up to the top of the mountain. Now you can take him down. This is what is said. A verse in Yemiyahu, chapter 19. Speaking about child sacrifice, below alta alibi zayitzchak. God says concerning the sacrifice of human beings that I have not commanded it and I have not spoken it and I never even lo alta alibi. It never even rose on my heart. And the midrash says the third term lo alta alibi zayitzchak. I didn't even have not just that I didn't tell you to do it in the end. I never even intended you to do so. So this is a very interesting midrash because it really does sound as though we're playing games. God says, Amavino, what are you talking about? You made a mistake. I never told you to slaughter him. I said, you should raise him. Take him up a mountain. I don't think the midrash could possibly be understood literally. Is the midrash saying that Amavino made a mistake? That the whole story of the Akedah was because Amavino didn't know Hebrew? He jumped to conclusions. Then, then what's, so, what's so extraordinary about this story? Did God really intend Avamavinu not to slaughter him? Did he really intend Avamavinu to understand that? If Avamavinu had got up in the morning and said, Wow, God wants me to walk up a mountain and come down. And he had done so. Fulfilling God's command. Would we be telling the story today? Would it be interesting even? Obviously, the correct understanding, meaning the understanding that Avamavinu was supposed to understand and not pray word games with God was lahalot is to bring a sacrifice and therefore he took the knife with him but what the Medrash is saying is that I didn't really mean it meaning I meant for you to understand it that way but never not even as a first thought did I intend for you to fulfill this because et priti lo achalel God's covenant 
cannot be desecrated. And God's covenant is the ethical. And therefore God can in truth not command one to sacrifice, his, sacrifice one son for him because it wouldn't be for him. God can mislead Avraham Avinu for reasons which we'll talk about I think in the future. What does God want Avraham Avinu to do? But one of the reasons is what we said today and yesterday. God wants Avraham Avinu to commit himself to God in a greater sense than his belief and assurance in his own intelligence. The only way to do that for someone as smart and as moral and as ethically sensitive as Avinu is to actually fool him. There is nothing else to tell Vamavinu to do that he won't accept willingly because he knows that it's true. Except for something which is truly unethical. So God pretends to command the ethical of Allah Alta Alibi. It wasn't truly on my heart. It was perhaps, so to speak, on God's lips, but never, never on his heart. The other cases of infanticide, of child sacrifice, which the Nevi'im talk about, God never commanded. The king of Moab who sacrificed his son in order to uh, uh, escape the war with Israel, he was doing something which was not commanded. But Avraham Avinu was doing something which was commanded, but lo al-tali be. It was commanded externally, but never was it truly God's intention, because it can't be. Lo achalel et, et briti. So Avraham Avinu, in the end, will raise the question. He, he, he needs the answer. What was, the, what was the ethical basis for what I was doing? God says, there is no ethical basis. So he says, then why did you do this? Well, <laughs> there'll be some other reason. But what you've been struggling to do for three days, to find the ethical basis for the Akedah, you have to do that. And now you want to know, but you didn't succeed. How come I didn't succeed? Where, where is, explain it to me. Do me a favor. My intelligence was limited. I couldn't understand it. But perhaps you can explain it to me. God says, no, I can't explain it to you because there's no explanation. Your intelligence is fine. And therefore the accomplishment of the Akedah was that you strove and strained your intelligence to its final point. And whether you succeeded or didn't succeed makes no difference. In this case, you couldn't succeed. But you remained. You didn't abandon your ethical personality. You remained an ethical personality to the end. With a knife in your hand, your personality was Your ethical personality was tears flowing from your eyes, even as your hand followed the dictates of your intelligence and still agreed to lower the knife as you thought God had commanded. This ends our discussion, tripartite discussion of the conflict between the ethical and the religious in Avraham Avinu's life and in our own in far less dramatic and extreme cases. We will continue in the following weeks with totally other points connected to understandings, different understandings of the Akedah based on the writings of other commentators and other philosophers. Kultuf.